Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 67 of Thrive Deeper. It's your old pal DJ Payne here. And on this week's episode, I get to sit down with Matthew Jacoby and we go through the book of James chapters 3 and 4. I get a lot out of this episode. I'm sure you will as well. Now, there's a couple of things I wanted to let you know right at the top of the episode. Number one, we've got a brand new promo that we want to offer you. We've got something awesome to let you know about a very unique offer just for you. You're going to have to keep on listening to find out what that is. Also, Matt and I were very tired when we recorded this episode. You'll hear it right at the start here. We're very, very busy with a lot of stuff going on. You might notice that as we begin the conversation, but it's still a fantastic conversation. One of my favorites we've had recently. So enjoy this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. It has been a very busy week for me, Matt. Been a busy week for you too? Oh, yeah. This week has been really flat out. Uh, I, uh, you know, as well as sermon prep, I had a, I had a lecture um, that was on a subject that I haven't taught on before. So that's always more... This is work. where you. This is at, where at Melbourne you're, School of Theology. Melbourne yeah. School of Theology. MST. Yeah. Okay. So it's a subject that I'm familiar with, which is why they got me to teach what it. What was so, the subject? Can we say? Uh, it was um, the Enlightenment and the Development of Western Thought. Okay. So the relationship between the events of the Enlightenment and and uh, and sort of where we are today. So yeah. great, a uh, great topic, great and, and topic. Very, like in some ways in my sweet spot. So it's part of the church history uh, subject. So they've got a great approach to that. Actually, getting different lecturers to specialize in different elements of that. So, um, but you know, I had to, I had to like prep, you know, prep that. And, and I had, I mean, I'm pretty organized generally, but um, but that was a, a big day. Uh, as well and had some other meetings so double teaching and then yeah and then uh just all sorts of things happening and then with sermon prep and everything uh, else you do and and meetings and sorting out other things and so Uh, too good what about you what are you well again i'm just very busy with my work at the moment my my day this morning was very funny because i've come from uh my day you know every weekday morning here in geelong i'm on breakfast radio doing a radio Mm. show and this morning i interviewed on the phone uh, Sherry Rigby, who's a Hollywood actress All right. uh, from Hollywood. She called me, you know, we had to call into Hollywood right. uh, and talk, talk to her there. She is an absolute uh, ch- charming and wonderful actress and just, I tell you what, a powerful woman, uh, you know, in the Lord. Yeah. I tell you what, she is just, um, you know, one, you hear really horror stories about Hollywood yeah. and you hear about horrible things. Oh, and, good. and this woman... She she's she's in uh, a movie that's um, probably just been and gone in the cinemas by the time this comes out, uh, called Overcomer. And before that, she was in the Christian film, uh, telling about the life of the Australian missionary to India that was burnt alive with his uh, oh, yeah, children yeah, in the car. Yeah. Uh, she played the wife of a you know living okay. Australian, yeah. and uh, so she's making inroads into these Christian films uh, after doing years on television and other movies yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And as a very strong believer. It was amazing to see this woman of faith really taking a stand in Hollywood and she's like, man, God is everywhere here. Like he is mm. doing stuff. And I just was really appreciating, 
you know, that, that it's all about the perspective. Mm. You know, it's all about yeah. what you look yeah. for. And because she's looking and actively saying, okay, what God, God, what are you yeah. doing? She's like, it's amazing to see what he's doing. Yeah, you, you that's know. great. So it's funny. Great? funny yeah. And then, now here we are talking about this. So it's a yeah. funny old life. But uh, we're in the book of James. Mm. And uh, we spent last week giving a great introduction if I do say so myself, to who James was. It was probably a lot more we could have said. But if you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 66 with the introduction there, really encourage you to to get in there. And we pulled out some of the themes and one particular theme that's coming through very strong um, in this book of wisdom from Jesus's half-brother, the, uh, one of the one of the leaders, the elders of the early Jewish church in Jerusalem, was uh, not only wisdom itself, but also faith and what faith mm. means when it comes to the believers in the early church. Mm. You know, walking on, and it speaks volumes to us today. Mm. We're entering into uh, on the back of all of that. He's he's just been talking about faith is dead without good works, yeah. which is controversial for some. and It's yeah. been controversial over church history. We didn't really talk about this mm. last week, but there's been people over church history, yeah. different leaders who've gone, yeah, not really down with the book of James. Yeah, well, Luther was one. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he did later in, in his life, he came to terms with it. Yeah. But initially... He, he referred to it as the epistle of straw, you know. L- yeah, Luther was known for quite being, <laughs> saying quite brash yes. things. Um, but he struggled with it, of course, because his emphasis was on justification by faith alone. He wanted to emphasize that over and against uh, a, a very problematic background. Yes. Um, and, of religious and, works. Yeah, of religious works and, and, and sort of merit, earning merit and through works. And so slightly different issue to what James is talking yeah. about. I mean, yeah. um, so he did struggle with with James's emphasis on faith needing to show itself in works. But um, but the two perspectives together, I think, are enormously important mm. for actually for us understand, because otherwise you end, end up with uh, just a carefree kind of um, approach to the Christian life that has no regard for any particular change of life. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm, uh, I've just got to believe, mm. and I'm I've saved got, by grace. I've got and my now ticket. I just get to on heaven. with my life. Yeah, you know, I've got no, my ticket to heaven. You know, and and I think that actually has happened. I mean, you know, mm. one of the things through uh, through church history, and and particularly in times when you know you had European nations that were these sort of Lutheran nations, and everyone. You'd get baptized, you know, into the church, and you'd sort of believe certain things, and everyone just said, "I'm a Christian," you know, yeah. so it would, and it'd be as easy as that. And it was kind of possible because of this, you know, a, a misunderstanding of this idea of uh, salvation by faith alone, yeah. um, you know, by the grace of God. Now, this is not what you know. I mean, that what where it went is not what Luther meant. Certainly not what Paul meant. Yes. And and which is why I think in the end Luther came to terms with uh, with the epistle to James because well, recognizing that this is actually a really valid and uh, important perspective. Yeah. Well, even in even in the last couple of generations, for me, and I come from a very conservative Baptist background, like mm. real independent <laughs> fundamentalist yeah. uh, in the states, a real Southern Baptist evangelical mindset, very yeah. evangelical. So my background in in that in all of that, um, though a lot of people would say. Oh, that's very legalistic, and uh, mm. you know, workspace, and like all very yeah. u- upfront and, and showy. Well, it was fundamentally built on, especially when it came to ministry and a lot of youth ministry that I was involved yeah, in yeah. over the years in those circles. 
was very much like, you know, getting any young person or anybody tricked into reading out this prayer of of salvation. Yeah. And hey, hey, there we yeah, go. Yeah. We're going to write down the date at the front of this Bible and that's the day you're saved. There's your ticket to heaven. On you go. And there was yeah, no yeah, like follow-up right. ministry yeah. or anything like yeah. that. And it's like, ooh. And so as maturing in the faith and getting, you know, getting older and wiser, you see, hang on, you know, there's a call to something deeper than this. Salvation doesn't mean this. Faith doesn't mean this. Yeah. And it's been wrestled with a lot of people, probably most most prominently in the 80s, uh, you know, so we're going back probably about 40 years ago, in the circles that I moved in, uh, you know, the uh, you know the author and pastor and teacher, John MacArthur. Now, mm. I know John MacArthur Jr., not, some people mm. aren't a fan and stuff like that, but he wrestled with this and wrote the book and caused a massive controversy, and he loves causing controversies mm. in the church, but he wrote Lordship, the book Lordship Salvation, mm. that once I'm saved, that Jesus is my Lord, I yeah. need to act like he's yeah. my Lord. Yeah. I need to yeah. do something about it, yeah. and not as it works, but as a relationship, yeah. and uh, cause a lot of controversy in my circles because people thought you're adding something to Luther's, you know, by work, by salvation, yeah. by faith alone. Well, it's it's a little like um, that that kind of ticket to heaven approach. Like, like there's there's validity in that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? I mean that that there's validity certainly validity to that, and, and there's this once and there's this kind of. Uh, you know, when we trust in Christ. And again, it's not necessarily when we pray that prayer or do, you know, I mean, that's yes. the thing. Like it's, it's sometimes it may not be exactly where we, where we think it is. So it's yeah. a little more difficult than we think perhaps to draw that line, uh, maybe in some cases than others. But, um, but then, you know, it's, it's the next bit that is actually important to kind of validate what just happened. It's a little bit like if you and, you know, you and Benita got married and you signed the register and then like you just went off and lived your own separate lives. Yes, yes. <laughs> like I've we would the, say, I've got the yeah, yeah I'm we would say, well, that's not, that's not, a, that's marriage. not a marriage. Yeah. You guys aren't married. And you say, no, no, I've got the certificate here. Yeah, yeah. I can prove to you that yeah. we are married. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's, that's exactly going on. I think that's what James is talking yeah. about here is saying, well, you say that you have faith. It's like you say that, you know, you're married to God, but like, where are, are you actually living? Are, you know, are you living together? Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, is this actually, has this changed the way that you live? Yeah. And if not, well, it's not really the real deal. I know, I know. So that's the background that we've, we've come from that James is building on. And then and then uh, in the next few chapters, we get these beautiful, like really passages of, of great sage wisdom here. And he starts off in chapter three, and I want to throw this one right at you, Matt, mm. because you, you, as you said at the beginning of the hour, you've been doing sermon prep. You're the teaching yeah. pastor at, at, at One yeah. Hope Baptist in Geelong. You're teaching up at the Mission uh, School of Theology. Mm-hmm. James Mel- starts. Melbourne School sorry, sorry, of Theology. Mel- what did I say? Mission. I've got missions <laughs> on the mind. <laughs> Melbourne School of Theology. I'm giving you more titles here. Um, and here's James writing to you right here. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, mm. we all make many mistakes. And he goes on from there talking about the tongue, but wowee, that is. You know, yeah. What, uh, wow, we. What are you doing to me here? Yeah, doing, <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, but that, that, I yeah, want, it's I, great. I, I've th- this verse, in fact, uh, this verse has always been very sobering to me, um, and and I think that's good. You know, I think uh, we, we're held accountable for what we know. Mm. This is actually part of what um, James is even talking about. 
Mm. So you say you know all of this stuff and and you know that you know the law, you know what's right, you know what God is saying. Mm. Well, that's the thing about listening and doing that he's already talked about in chapter two. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of relates to that. You know, we're held accountable for what we know, you know, to walk in it. And I don't feel scared about this because um, I think that would be uh, that would be coming from a lack of belief yes. in God, not from a place of belief in God. And the reason I'm not scared of this is because I don't ever feel the need to be perfect. I mean, you just read the verse two. We all stumble in many ways. Yeah. Um, uh, so, like the the reason. I am at peace with this. Like, like I let it be a bit disturbing. I think that's important. <laughs> but as long as there is process, you know, yeah. as, long as, like, as long as I'm growing, there is process, as long as there's a sense of my accountability to God, I don't feel the need to have everything together all at once. Because God, you know, we work on this and then we work on that and we work on this. And there's this process of growth. And, you know, I often say to people, you know, we... You know, people sweat over, am I saved or am I not saved? You know, relating to the faith thing. Well, I think a better question is, are you being saved? Mm. Are, are you being saved? Is the Holy mm. Spirit at work in, 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 in my life? And, and the more I yield to the Holy Spirit's work in my life, the more I listen to God, the more I work with God in changing my life and respond to God, you know, this would only be happening because the Holy Spirit actually is in in my heart, you know, mm-hmm. and and that I've received this seal of the Holy Spirit. So the mark for me of being a child of God is growth. Uh, growth is the vital sign of life. You know, uh, living things grow, yeah. and if I'm not growing, I'm dead. Yeah. Relating back to this idea of dead faith, yeah. you know. So, so to me, to me, this is a reminder. Okay, engage with what you talk. Engage with what you're talking about, yeah. because I think the thing that can happen, particularly to teachers, is that you. You, know, you can habitually approach things as or kind of live through that role of the teachers. It's about knowing stuff and telling other people. Yes. Actually, the primary responsibility of a teacher is to be a learner. Yeah. And, and, and actually from God and actually to live in the midst of it and Amen. speak out of that journey. It's, it's amazing. The Christian faith, the Christian religion is so countercultural and so topsy-turvy in a way, in many different yeah. ways. But in the, I've been contemplating this one with... The, uh, the life group that I have, the, yeah. the life group that my wife and I lead. And I basically ended up saying to someone the other day, and forgive me, Matt, if I've told you this before, they were talking about stuff they were learning and their eyes were being open to things that like they were ignorant of before. And they were sort of bemoaning the fact that as they go deeper in the faith, in one sense, it's harder. Yeah. But they're driven, like the whole structure of the Christian faith, yeah. the whole structure of what it means to be a yeah. follower of Christ is to go deeper and deeper and deeper in, into this teaching, in, in, the, in this relationship. Yeah. Not for the teaching in and of itself, not yeah. to become a professor, but to, to be go into this leader. But she was like, but the more I low, the more that I yeah, realise yeah. I'm doing wrong. And I'm just like, yeah. yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, if you yeah. want the easy Christian life, <laughs> Stop now yeah. and just coast along yeah. and you'll be fine. But the more you know, the more you're responsible for yeah. for actually doing. Yeah, that's know? right. I mean, I, like I, you know, I described in the last episode that just that deep sense of conviction that came out of, you know, feeling that perhaps I'd become a little soft on yeah. myself and, you know, and, and came out of reading the book of, of Hebrews. It's like, okay, if, if you want to feel... Uh, 
if you don't want that to happen, then don't read scripture. Yes. Because scripture is going to convict you and show you <laughs> where, where you've gone wrong. And, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to push you towards growth. Yeah. Um, if you're not growing, start reading scripture. Like seriously, yeah. like, I mean, we're probably preaching to the converted here. <laughs> um, but you know the thing, like on that, you know, on growth and, and facing, um, like it's, again, and, and I underscore the thing, it's not about being perfect, it's about responding to our imperfections and yeah. growing through them. I think the thing that I, fo- the thing that convicts me the most, the moments of conviction, are when I listen to the things that I say. It's like I listen to the things that come out of my mouth sometimes, and you know, there's this the idea of, uh, that the, um, you know, I think Jesus says this that the, you know, that the what comes out of the mouth is like the overflow of the heart. So if you want to know what's in your heart, listen to what you actually say. And, and I find that one of the most convicting things, to actually listen to what I say. It's really, even as I think about it now, I'm feeling a little convicted. But, 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 that, but that leads perfectly on. Yeah, yeah. Your, 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 your train of thought is yeah, perfectly yeah. flowing on here yeah. in Chapter 3 of James because yeah. he goes straight from warning teachers, straight from, well, actually he yeah, goes yeah. straight from talking about faith yeah. And, and and life and what walking with God is really all about. He then gives a quick warning to teachers and then talks about, you know, this amazing, pro, yeah. you know, proverbial wisdom about the tongue yeah. and what we say and yeah. and how, and oh my when goodness. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, he says in verse three, chapter 3, verse 3, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, he says. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steeled by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And then he goes on to say, and this is a killer, this oh. next bit. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What is <laughs> this? Is just intense stuff. And anybody, anybody of us out there who, I mean, God bless the the quiet achievers. Yeah. God bless those who are patient and slow to anger. But for those of us who, from either the way that we were raised, or some of us want to claim a genetic reason for yeah, it, yeah. it's my Italian background, it's my <laughs> German background, whatever background it is, you go. You you know for those of us who have a short fuse in some cir- yeah. circumstances, oh my goodness, we have experienced this firsthand. It is like what is going on? What is coming out of my mouth right now? Yeah, and and I you know I think the point here is it flows out of this point that the uh, from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. I mean mm-hmm. that that's the principle at work here. So so it's not the tongue that creates the evil. The evil is you know. Um, begins in the heart but comes out this way but there's a sense in which what we do with our tongue there's this this sense of uh, you know lot like the examples that he uses you know a small rudder can steer a big ship yes. the things that we say to each other I mean we have this saying sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me well words will do enormous damage um, I remember us talking about this when we were doing the episode on the proverbs yeah same. Uh, and, and, of course, this is very proverbial. Totally. Um, and we may have even quoted, I'm not sure we may have even quoted uh, from James. We probably I we, did. We, I think we probably yeah. did. And uh, But, like, I think, you know, we need to take more seriously what we actually achieve with 
what we say. And this is, this is important both in a negative and a positive sense. Like we need to be serious about what the opportunities of what we can positively achieve through what we say, through encouragement and exhortation, through sharing our faith. Um, these things can have enormous impact on people. I mean, we think, oh, it's not going to make much difference if I encourage this person or, or, you know, if I'm open about my faith. Well, I, you know, there's not much I have to share. And we can, we can downplay the significance of that. Mm. But actually... God transforms lives through our speaking. Yes. You know, uh, and so um, I think that's the positive side. The negative side is that we can destroy people by what we say. Yeah. And this is the, this is the reason for the harshness of verse 6 here, you know, mm. um, is that the damage that can be done through speaking is beyond any damage that can be done through any other physical act. Yes. So you can hurt someone and, and you'll damage their body, but actually in speaking we can actually curse yeah. and, and affect someone's spirit. You know, yeah. like crush them. Yeah, really crush them spiritually. And, and so, so this is a serious business. And, you know, he goes on to say um, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Uh, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, so, um, uh, you know, I don't think this is not about being hopeless. Um, I think what he's saying here is that, like, we can tame animals, but, like, naturally you can't tame the tongue because to tame the tongue you have to change the heart. Mm. And no one can do that yeah. except for God. Exactly. So it actually takes a work of, like, if, if you feel that you mouth off or do this sort of thing, don't just try, well, try not to do those things, yes. of course. <laughs> but that's not enough. Yeah. Actually, what needs to change is something in your heart mm. that needs to change. And so you need to talk to God about your heart, the state of your heart. You need to talk to God about where my words are coming from. family DJ Payne here and I've got a very special offer for you I need you to grab a pen and a paper all right grab a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper that you can write something on because you're going to want want to because you're going to want to write something down in just a moment now as many of you know Matthew Jacoby is the lead singer songwriter and one of the masterminds behind the band Sons of Cora you might have seen him touring, you might have downloaded some of the albums, or someone might have even given you one of his CDs over the years. Now, Sons of Korah, the ministry is fantastic, the music is amazing, and we have got a very unique offer for you around Sons of Korah. That is, you ready for this? 50% off any purchase of Sons of Korah music from their online store. That's right, 50% off. Now, what does that mean? You could buy one CD or 10 CDs 50% off. You could buy one download, digital download, or 20 digital downloads, 50% off. Whatever you want to purchase, you can get 50% off 
their entire catalog. Now, this is only being promoted through this podcast. This is to you, our valued listeners, people who've supported us from the very beginning. So to take advantage of this offer, you're going to listen closely to these instructions. Ready? You're going to go to sonsofcora.com, the band's website, sonsofcora.com. Click on shop at the top of the page. You'll see a menu at the top of the page. You want to click on shop. And then once you're inside the shop, it'll say, go to the online store. You want to click on the online store. Trust me, it gets easier from now on. Select the items you want from Sons of Cora, add them to your shopping cart, and then you proceed to the checkout. At the checkout, you can enter a discount code. All right, now this is where you need to write down this. The discount code is Thrive Today 50. That's Thrive Today, all one word, and the numbers, the numerals, 50. Thrive Today 50. Put in that uh, discount code into the into the little box there. Apply the code and boom, 50% discount off any Sons of Cora items in your cart. Now, two things to keep note of here. You can only use this coupon once. So make sure you maximize your discount value. Get what you want to get the first time. And this offer expires on Friday, October the 25th, 2019. Did you hear that? October the 25th, it's a Friday, 2019. So you've got a little over a month to use this coupon. You can let your friends know about it. You can share it with your family, but it's exclusively only available to listeners of Thrive Today. Okay, so Thrive Today 50 is the discount code. Sunsacora.com is the website you want to go to. We'll have all the links and everything like that in our show notes. Woo! What an offer. All right, let's get back into the book of James on Thrive Deeper. DJ Payne and Matthew Jacoby here on Thrive Deeper, the podcast, episode 67. We are in chapter three of the book of James, towards the back of the New Testament, and we are just marveling at the uh, the wisdom that James here, the uh, leader of the early church and half-brother of Jesus, is talking about. We've been talking about the tongue, the power it has to build up. Uh, and the power it has to crush. And this is an example. This is a very convicting example that James is using to flesh out his talk about mm. faith and deeds. You know, this is about, you know, what faith in God and walking with him is all yeah. about and the deeds that we have. His first example of that, the tongue. And straight yeah. away all of yeah. us go, oh, did you have to go there, James? <laughs> You're really convicting me. And he he then comes in to the end of chapter 3 there and he gives that beautiful, uh, you know, some beautiful little, uh, you know, paragraphs about wisdom and how true wisdom comes from God. He talks about bitter, bitter jealousy, selfish yeah. ambition in our hearts. Uh, it talks about, uh, you know, how uh, this, this jealousy and selfishness are not part of God's kind of wisdom and such things are earthly and unspiritual and demonic for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there are, you will find 
disorder and evil of mm. every kind. Oh. It's interesting the way that this flows out of what came before, yes. out of the, um, the discussion on the tongue, because he says in verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the point is here, if you feel that salt water is flowing from your spring, you know, speaking metaphorically, like if, if there are constantly things coming out of your mouth that are bad, what needs to be fixed is the spring, yep. you know. Uh, and uh, so because the spring is fundamentally bad and it's like a bit of salt water makes even the fre- – if there's yes, I'm sure there's fresh water coming out, but the salt water even makes the fresh water salty, you know. So, yes. um, so there, there's this – It's this is about what comes out of the heart and the heart is the key here. So now there is a wisdom – that comes out of the wrong heart. Uh, it's it's a wisdom that is about a sort of a worldly shrewdness yes. that we use to get the things that we want. You know, it's like this Machiavellian kind of wisdom. Um, you know, I mean, we we you'll often hear that term. Machiavelli's the prince. You know, is this book? It's a it's an interesting read. Um, is this book? You know, uh, by of course by Machiavelli, basically discussing how you can win over your enemies and all of these shrewd ways to win people. It's just uh, this, uh, this way of, of keeping power and climbing the ladder in really shrewd ways. And, and it's uh, basically the antithesis of what James is yeah, talking about Yeah, that's right. And, and this is where we it, – it's, you know, sometimes referred to as this sort of Machiavellian wisdom. And I, and I can't help but read that, you know, that, that this is kind of what he's talking about yeah. here when he talks about these two kinds of wisdom that – you know, because he says in verse 14, but if you harbour bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, uh, do not boast uh, about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. So there's a wisdom that I use. And, and it's amazing, you know, if I have these bad motives, it's amazing how shrewd we can be to get the things that we want. Yes. Um, and it's like this drive within us. Like sin, there's a kind of wisdom that goes with the corruption of the human heart. Mm. It's a wisdom, it's a, you know, ultra shrewdness to get what we want. It's like mm. this demonic wisdom. You know, it's the, the shrewdness of Satan and, you know, he's, he's described as like a snake who gets through the cracks and can, you know, gets what he wants and, and lures us into and tricks us into things and he comes as an angel of light. Like there's a certain, as I said, Machiavellian kind of wisdom uh, about that. But it's not... You know, but so James is making the distinction. Well, that's not this kind of wisdom. You know, mm. um, he says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of full of mercy. It's not just this being a shrewd businessman yeah. that he's talking about. And again, all those all those examples. I love the fact that you know part of what James is talking about here, and it, it builds on these that Old Testament truth that goes right back to the very beginning of Moses where the prophecy and all the prophets basically saying one day God will change our hearts. Yeah. It's not because we can't do yeah, that's right. yeah. these things. Yeah. Our tongue is going to let us yeah. down. Our wisdom is going to be like this. But once we're, our hearts are changed, and this this is what James is calling this wisdom from above, it produces all of these outflowing effects in our lives, these yeah. things that he talks about. And, and that's a good point because essentially – James is then kind of the lid on the wisdom tradition because the the wisdom literature that you have, like the Proverbs, for example, yes. there's a sense in which it's actually not possible to live this out without yeah. the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Totally. And that's what Ezekiel 36 points forward to, you know, uh, that, that God will pour his spirit into their hearts and move them to follow his decrees. Well, without that inner movement in the heart, without that 
removing of the heart of stone and being given the heart of flesh without the indwelling of the Spirit. We actually can't... What All that we can come out with is, is this worldly you know, kind of wisdom. And so um, anyone who ever had wisdom, even in Old Testament times, had that by the Spirit of God. And um, so, yeah, I think that's very poignant. So in a sense, the wisdom that James is talking about... It, and, and his talk about these two different kinds of wisdom, mm. he is uh, he's bringing this again back to the heart in this context. He's bringing yeah. this back to the heart, that wisdom begins uh, with a right heart. Yeah. We move on to chapter 4, and yeah. uh, he, again, this is where the hardness of the early church preaching comes out. Yeah, well, and, and, and again, it flows right on from what we've just said. Yeah. Because we've taught, talked about certain, what, where does it come from? I mm. mean, we've talked about, do you have faith? Well, what comes from it? Yes. Let's now see what flows out. Because yep. something, if you have faith, something will grow out of it. Something yep. will come out of it. Okay. So he says in 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you. So he's going straight yeah. back to the heart. I exactly. mean, the whole thing, he's going back to the heart. It's not yeah. about just keeping certain laws or, or, or living out the principles of wisdom, thinking that, well, if I do this, then things will work out. Actually, it begins, I mean, there's an element of truth to that, of course, but he's always bringing things back to the heart. And it's interesting how he talks about these desires that battle within us. Because yeah. he's just talked about, you know, we've talked about the salt water and the, uh, the fresh water, that yes. you, can't, you can't get two things coming from the same heart. And, and, and that part, that, that putting his finger, James putting his finger by the Holy Spirit on the fact of our hearts need to change and our desires need to change. Come, I, I personally come to me, and this really hit me in, in this reading, is he talks about, he says in chapter 4, I, I think he's in, a, uh, in about verse uh, 2 there, he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Yeah, that's right. You want only what gives you pleasure. And so he's even saying there that, okay, even when you're coming to God and asking in prayer, your heart isn't right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you're asking for, your desires are all yeah, wrong. That's you're right. asking for the wrong things. Let God change the heart and your desires and you'll be asking for the right yeah. stuff. So it's even so the pray and, and this it just all fits together so beautifully, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. Because even your praying has to come from a certain heart, and and this is brings us back to what we were saying before. It has to come from a heart of faith, and this is where this is again underscores the fact that faith isn't believing for a certain outcome. Faith is entrusting yourself to God, mm. and 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 this is what and in that place of God transforming your heart. And in, that's where true prayer can come from. Come from that. So, um, you know, this idea of asking because I'm coveting when oh, I want one of those too, God. Yes. You know, um, no, no. You actually need to go to God. Let Him sort your heart out, and let prayer come from a place of being entrusted, being given over to God, the place of faith. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the key. So it's interesting the way that this links with his discussion on faith. Uh, and wavering in the um, the beginning of the letter, and then this also then relates to that moment of faith, yes. that that discussion of faith at the end in relation to healing. Um, that really, it's about the heart and the heart's connection with God. 
mm. and the will of God. Now, one, as we're running out of time for, for this here, and there's so much in chapter 4 mm. here, um, he talks about seeking God's favour, being an enemy to the world, you know, a world and, you know, being a friend to God. I mean, that's a whole thing. Really quickly, Matt, touch on this point here because some people, what do you think James means when he says the world? You know, like, because I think yep. that can really trip yeah. up people. Um, I don't like... I'll give you an example. Yep. I'll yep. give you a really silly example that, that comes up all the time. And this is my job, uh, you know, working in Christian radio and playing Christian music. I'll have people ring up and say, look, you shouldn't play artist ABC. Okay, yeah. Because they've got a pop hit and they were reviewed very nicely by Rolling Stone magazine. And don't you know that if you're a friend of the world and you're getting popularity in the world and the world loves you, you're doing something wrong. You need to be an enemy of the world. And unless the world stands up and says, you're you're awful, you suck, you're doing something wrong. What does that – I don't think – maybe you've got the world thought of wrongly, <laughs> but I'll let, you, I'll let you explain. Well, uh, John 3.16, of course, says, for God so loved the world. <laughs> he loved the world, yeah. right? And our, um, our disposition uh, as Christians should be one of loving the world, mm. that is the people in the world. Yes. Okay. Now, when John also says, okay, it's the same writer, says, do not love the world. Yes. <laughs> this is the same guy, you know, the same guy that says, you know, for God so loved the world, yes. also says do not love the world. He means the world system, uh, the, the godless way of doing things. Uh, it's like, you know, the prince of this world, Jesus says, has been driven out. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the godless system of man in his independence and autonomy. That's the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this system. And when, uh, so, so James as well, you know, when John says, do not love the world, he said, don't love that. Don't, um, don't invest in that. And, and don't try and conform to that. And so also James says here that you know that friendship with the world means en- enmity against God. He means if you are, you know, if your goal in life is to kind of make it in the eyes of the world, of this world system, to kind of win that competition. It's like this world yes. in the world, we have this, this big kind of, competition you know for for you know who, who's going to be you know who's going to be the most renowned and the greatest the highest achievement you know it's like survival of the fittest you know in element of human society um this this godless kind of system it's like if you're going to if you are going to play that game whether you win or lose it's like you're playing the wrong game yeah you're playing the wrong game like don't don't invest in that do not play that game mm. Um, so friendship with the world is stepping in and playing that particular game. Yeah, and, and, and thinking that it's only – and going from letting, – letting James interpret James in a sense from yeah. that verse before. He's saying the thing that's wrong in your heart when you're coming to God in prayer is that you're seeking only your pleasure. Yeah. And this seeking only your pleasure is the world is is you yeah. know part of that world system. Yeah. And if that's the whole system, you're you're going wrong. Yeah. And so he then he then goes on in verse seven, which I just love the 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 answer to this. You know, how do you get out of this mindset of seeking the pleasure? Yeah. How do you let God change your heart? Humble yourselves before God. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close. 
to God and God will come close to you. That is such a beautiful verse. Yeah. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided, echoing back to the waves of the sea again between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of deep mm. of laughter. Gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour. Yeah. Well, look, I mean... There's lots to be discussed. In fact, in the next episode, I'd like to spend a bit of time on yeah. those verses because oh. I think there's something really important there. Um, but for our purposes now, like this attitude towards the world is, as I said, it's about the world system. It's about the agendas of the world. Um, you know, th- th- there are lots of great things that are produced in the world Yes. And just because they're produced even by non-Christians does not mean they're great things. I mean, there's beautiful, you know, works of art. Even really, uh, I mean, I, I read a lot in, you know, psychology, for example, and uh, th- there are lots of amazing insights and great work being mm. done. So it's not, I, I, I mean, it, I feel stupid even saying that. It sounds almost, uh, you know, for someone who's not a Christian listening, they'd say, well, what do you mean? Like, Of course. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and yes, I am saying, of course, because it's not like... You know, Christians have the monopoly on truth. Yes, uh, we, 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 you know, we have in Jesus Christ the ultimate, um, the ultimate uh, way to living truthfully. Yes, but there are plenty of true things that are being said in psychology and even in philosophy. And I've, yes. I mean, I've discovered absolute gems in lots of different disciplines, and I've discovered in enormous beauty and and uh, expressions of the human heart. Uh, and and lots of actually good things in the arts and so forth. So I, um, so I, I draw a lot from that. And this idea that well, you can only read Christian things or only listen to Christian things. Or look, I think you should. I think we should read Christian things and listen mm-hmm. to Christian things because we should constantly be self edifying. But I have actually drawn lots of edification yeah. from uh, from all different sorts of places. And the key is to be discerning. Um, to discern out the bits that aren't true from the bits that are true. And then I think we can, you know, we can, as, as, a, as the classic example is, you know, we can, we can t- enjoy the treasures of Egypt without making a golden calf out of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's, that's the important thing there is, uh, is that we're, we're not on that agenda but we enjoy what is good in the world to be enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, I mean, going back to thinking about James here, how do we know, I guess for a lot of young Christians in the faith or people who are just entering this journey and, they, and they're learning the scripture, yeah. they're, they're still working their way, how do you beef up that discernment? You know, it's yeah. such a lacking well, thing yeah. for I mean, a lot this is an interesting thing because I think in a lot of film and television, for example, let me just use an example, the agenda is being sort of advertised, the worldly agenda. You know, we, we venerate the hero, the, the sort of myth of redemptive violence, all of these kind of things that belong to the world system. Yes. Uh, you know, happiness is wealth and health and um, all of these kinds of worldly myths are sold in different ways through the media in ways that aren't saying um, uh, violence can be redemptive. You know, it's like, no, it's, it's actually just 
putting that into a story and, and, and appealing to our hearts. And so we come to sort of feel things, you know, we come to feel like, oh, I need to be the hero in my world or, you know, with, with the sort of he- the cult of the hero in the media or, or, you know, I need to pursue the, I need to be successful, I need to be like this. Because, you know, again, we, we get this fed in or I need to be beautiful uh, like these people that I'm seeing on my screens. You know, it's like they, it's not that these forms of media are saying that, but they, they do, um, they do uh, contain these values in different ways. Yeah, and, and they, pushing an agenda. Yeah, and, and there is an agenda, even if they're not really consciously pushing that agenda, just because it comes out of this, this world. Yeah. I think we need to be really, uh, I, I just don't think we should give ourselves too much credit. Oh, yeah, I know, I, I'm discerning, I can be. Well, just watch your diet there, yeah. Because something's going to leak through. It's like you know, if you just if you are uh, feeding on this stuff again and again and again, it's shaping your heart, buddy. It's it's like you you are you are being affected in some way. And so I think yes, um, it's like all things in moderation. I mm-hmm. think the the, the uh, this kind of media binging culture that we have, I, I just can't see how that is healthy. For the human heart, yeah, I know that's some people. I'm, I'm a big spoil sport, and some people are going to sound like you know, I'm maybe perhaps sounding a little puritanical. No. But my immersion, as we've been talking about in the last in, this, in the last episode, my immersion in, in literature outside of the modern day. I mean, even reading this first century literature, it's like be the caution with engaging with the things of the world. Like there's so much caution around that. Yeah. And I feel like we have thrown that caution to the wind mm. in our in our time. It's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's This is fine. That's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, well, no, it's not really fine. Uh, you know, I just think we need to uh, do a bit of a double take and um, be a little bit more discerning, not while we're watching things, but even a bit more discerning about what we choose to take in yeah. to our heart. So, look, I'm not, as I say, I've, I've expressed two points of view. On the one hand, I draw very broadly. Yes. Uh, um, I, but I'm, and, and I allow myself to enjoy lots of different art forms that are not necessarily coming from a Christian um, uh, perspective. But I'm also, uh, but but often, uh, I, I'm I'm aware that. Uh, the, the the sort of volume and the effect that these things can have on me of the, you know of a certain kind of type. It's particularly it seems to be particularly the more entertaining type. And there's lots of great stuff out there that challenges and that has edified me and and actually you know has actually challenged me. So um, uh, that I you know that has been enormously edifying. The stuff that uh, I, look I love a bit of mindless entertainment like the next person. Hmm. Um, it's all about. Volume moderation. I just think we need to be a bit more onto ourselves and give ourselves less credit in this yeah. respect. I, I, and again, bringing it back to James, he says you lack wisdom, and I think this yeah, is something yeah. we can apply ourselves to. You lack wisdom on what to consume and what you're spending yeah. your time doing. Ask God; He'll show you. For and and the other thing I want to throw in there, caution here. Uh, you know, and again, this is from my own experience. Uh, Matt, you might be able to say something about this. What God is cautioning you about might not be what God is cautioning Matthew about. Yeah. What What is uh, maybe a stumbling block yeah. for you for what you've come from yeah. in your background might not be your brother's stumbling block. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to let the Holy Spirit work in their life and you've got to just... That's right. 
you know, unless he gives you an opportunity to humbly come beside them and suggest something, yeah. standing up on a soapbox and screaming out to everybody. Yeah. And then I'm speaking from my own conviction yeah, here yeah. because there is sometimes I don't understand sport. Yeah. I did when God was making genetic parts of your brain yeah, to yeah. understand sport. I have none of that in me. Yeah. And I turn around and I sometimes want to stand up in the foyer of our church and say to all the men, because I'm coming out and I'm convicted by a sermon, I want to talk about it to someone or something. And everyone's like, how's the footy? How's the footy? And I'm like, I want to stand up and say, stop, this is all. But yeah. there's nothing wrong with the football, of course. Yeah. It's all about in moderation and where you're at. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, you know, I think um, I think you, it's, it's very true how we – it's about the how, you know, it's again, how we use things. I mean, look, there are, there, there are certainly some things that I would say certainly cross the line in terms of just a kind of clear Christian ethic. It's of like, course. It's like, you're serious? You're going to watch that stuff? It's like, you know, but, um, but I think, you know, with, with everything else, we need to bring that to God, talk about it, allow God to make our hearts more sensitive. And if you lack wisdom, ask God. I am absolutely loving going through the book of James. What a fantastic book. I cannot wait to wrap it up next week. Next week, we get the final two chapters of James. But what a great admonition to finish off. If we lack wisdom, we go to God and he promises to give us the wisdom that we need. Now, if you come to me, if you came to DJ Payne and asked me for wisdom, you know what I'm going to tell you? You ready for the plug? You ready for the shameless plug? Thrive Today 50. That's right. That's the coupon code. That's the discount code you need when you go over to sonsofcora.com. Sonsofcora.com. You can get any and all albums you want, uh, whether it's a digital copy or a physical copy. Use the code Thrive Today 50 and you get 50% off any of the items you get from Sons of Cora. Remember, it can only be used once and it expires on Friday, October 25th. We'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.